want to thank our music team tonight. Did an excellent job. And Chris and Selena and Brian, wow. I don't know about you, but those readings affected me. Um, they were very good, very important. And that's what this day is all about. That's what this night is all about. It's different. We have our church services every week, but there's something special about Good Friday. This is the day that the church gathers together and says, behold the man upon the cross. That is our whole purpose this day, is to say, behold him who died for us. We're gonna to look tonight for our meditation at Luke 23 verses 32 through 38 if you don't have a Bible with you tonight that's okay you'll easily be able to follow along this is just one of the scenes of the cross from the four Gospels Luke 23 verses 32 through 38 and it says two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him and when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, he saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. Well, our first point tonight is the crucifixion. Jesus was crucified along with two criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Luke said two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when we came to the place, and the place is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Now we know that this was completely unjust because Jesus was not a criminal. However, it was appropriate. It was appropriate for two reasons. First of all, it was the specific fulfillment of prophecy. In Isaiah 53, it says, he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. Thousands of years before, Isaiah the prophet, being the voice of the Lord, said he would be, when Messiah comes, he will be numbered with the transgressors. It was also appropriate because Jesus had come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus not only died for the lost, he died with the lost. He not only died for the lost, he died with the lost. And with almost amazing brevity, 
Luke simply says, there they crucified him. Have you ever thought about that little phrase? There they crucified him. R.C. Sproul writes, it's similar to Genesis 1.16 when it says, he also made the stars. To describe the fact that God spoke and created billions of stars, but it just says, he also made the stars. And Luke simply says, there they crucified him. But there is so much. That little phrase. The cruelties of a Roman crucifixion have been well documented. We heard about it tonight in these dramatic presentations. He was whipped. He was beaten mercilessly. They stretched him out on a cross and took spikes and nailed them into his hands and into his feet. And with a jerk, they raised the cross, placed it in the ground. And those crucified would push up to try to gain any measure of breath. They would struggle to breathe and would eventually die from suffocation. And Luke says, and they crucified him. But not only did he experience the cruelties of physical execution, but there was something, as you know, even worse. God the Father laid upon God the Son all the sins of the world. He bore the full punishment, the full wrath, the full judgment of God for every sin that had ever been committed or ever will be committed in the history of the universe. And God the Father, in the absolute fullness of his punishment and wrath, punished his son. Crucifixion was usually reserved for slaves and the worst of criminals. And Luke simply says, and there they crucified him. And he was crucified at a place called the skull. The place of the skull was a place where there were bones. It was a place of death. It was also called Golgotha. It was also called Calvary. It's all the same place. Well, our second point tonight is the events at the foot of the cross. There's so much, and again, so appreciated these dramatic presentations because they dovetail so well with what I want to share with you tonight. So much going on at the foot of the cross. As Jesus suffered excruciating pain, both physically and spiritually, he prayed for those who crucified him. In verse 34, it says, And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And as you know, but we are reminded again, he prayed this for the Jewish religious leaders who were mocking him, cursing him, 
He prayed this for the Roman soldiers who had crucified him, whipped him, beaten him, and were now mocking him. Now this particular prayer for centuries has been the subject of much discussion. What did Jesus mean? Father, forgive them. Obviously, he wasn't giving them a judicial forgiveness because they hadn't believed in him, didn't believe in him. And though there is so much in this prayer immersed in the mercy of God and the grace of God, yet, in essence, he is saying, Father, they have no clue. They have no clue that they are participants in the most important event in the history of the universe. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But again, one of the reasons he prayed is because it was a specific fulfillment of prophecy. Again, in Isaiah 53, it says he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors and made intercession for the transgressors. And the people stood and watched, but the rulers scoffed at him. And this goes along so well with what we have studied in the Gospel of John and our ongoing study over the months. Remember from chapter 5 of the Gospel of John to chapter 12, there's this ongoing conflict between Jesus and the Jewish religious leaders, and it doesn't stop at the cross. They continue to scoff, him, scoff at him and mock him. And this is Passover, so there's potentially a very large crowd. So what we have is we have all these people watching, and we have the religious leaders mocking and scoffing and some of the soldiers mocking and scoffing. And there is this great crowd there. And so the rulers who demanded his death now mock him even as he hangs there. In verse 35 it says, And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And as I mentioned, even the Roman soldiers participated in this continued inhumane treatment. Verses 36 and 37, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And the horror and the irony Here's the creator of the world, the creator of the universe, giving himself as a sacrifice for sins, dying for them. And they mock him and they ridicule him. And at the end of verse 34, it says, and they cast lots to divide his garments again. A specific fulfillment of prophecy for in Psalm 22 and verse 18, it says, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So there was written a notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. That's what we read in verse 38. 
In the other Gospels, we find that the Jewish leaders protested against the wording of the sign. In John chapter 19 and verses 21 and 22, we read, So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. And I love Pilate's response. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. The Gospels tell us the sign was written in Aramaic and Latin and Greek so that all so that all could understand it john tells us in his gospel the sign read this is jesus of nazareth the king of the jews and that inscription has stood out for the church for over two thousand years this this is jesus of nazareth the king of the jews and so the cross has become the most important symbol in the history of the church. Nothing, nothing is more important than the meaning of Christ's death on the cross. There is a very real sense in which every human being stands before the cross. Not just those we heard about tonight, but all of us stand before the cross. It's as if those we heard about tonight, we walk up and stand beside them, beholding the man upon the cross. And the question is, will you walk away in unbelief, or will you bow before the cross and give your life to Jesus? That is all, or those are always the questions. Our loved, in Brian's reading of the centurion, what now? As you behold the cross, what now? Do I walk away or do I believe? The most important decision any human being will ever make, and we're going to pick this up again. We're going to pick this up again Sunday morning. And as we look at his death again and, and his glorious resurrection, let's pray together. Father, help us to picture ourselves as standing at the cross and beholding the crucified Jesus, the crucified Savior. O oh Lord, tonight for all of us, let us search our hearts deeply. Have I trusted in him and in him alone for my salvation? If I haven't, Lord, help me. Help me to believe. In Jesus' name, amen.